Live from Las Vegas. We love to say that. Don't, don't get to say it too often. I'm Gary Marsh. I'm the host of NEI Global's How's, Bid Pod, How's Biz podcast, and we're here in Las Vegas today with our first guest, we should say, with Kevin Murphy from NEI Partners in Austin. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be here. Um, after three years of uh, a different world, we're back in Vegas. It feels good to be here. A lot of energy. So yesterday when we met to set up today's appointment, you talked about uh, being fairly new to NEI Global uh, and NEI uh, Partners, uh, and you're, you know, you've been in the business for a while, so why don't you start with just telling us about that transition to uh, being here with this group? Absolutely. Thank you again, Gary, for uh, allowing me some time here. Um, yeah, about, uh, I guess it was May of 2020, um, I got a call from uh, Travis Rogers, who's the, uh, the chief operating officer for NAI Global, NAI, I'm sorry, NAI Partners in Houston, uh, asking me if I had interest in, in talking to him. I, you know, at that time in my career, really wasn't looking. I thought I'd kind of made my last stop. And, um, but it was intriguing enough. I thought, you know, I'm going to kind of see where the Lord leaves me and, and, and talk, uh, hear what Travis had to say. He came and visited me in, in Austin. Uh, we had coffee, uh, liked the energy. Uh, we followed that up with another meeting. And then I had enough interest after visiting with my wife a little bit about it. And I said, you know what? They made the effort to come to Austin. I'm going to go to Houston and see what they're about. And when I got there, I drove the whole way thinking, I hope I'm not wasting their time. Uh, or mine, but you know, let, let's just see where this takes me. And when I got down there, I had a few meetings set up with the different verticals of that company, and I found out real quickly I liked the culture. It seemed like a good fit, and I felt like this is where I needed to be. And you know, it went from there, and it's been, I've never looked back. I, I, I didn't realize what I didn't have uh, until I got to this uh, organization, and uh, from top to bottom, great leadership. But what I think attracted me more than anything was the ability that we could keep most of the business that came through the doors. After being in the business 38 years, I've had experiences across all vertical lines of business. Although my focus today is retail, uh, my primary you know, bread and butter is tenant rep business, uh, building a landlord platform uh, with a company that had a development arm was very intriguing to me. So. Um, yeah, it was a good fit, and it's been a good fit. It's been a good, fun, almost two years, and we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, and I've even brought another guy in from Oregon State, uh, Bennett Greenbaum, and he's done a really fantastic job at doing the things that the young guys, you know, a lot of them aren't willing to do. He picks up that 1,000-pound phone and, and bangs it all day long, and we make rain together. So it's good to be here. I'm glad to be part of NAI. Right on. Uh, well, NAI Partners has offices in Austin, Houston, and San Antonio, uh, and f- mostly they're an office industrial group, some land, some development, as you alluded to. H- how does it work for you to fit, come in, you know, guns a-blazing all retail? Is there, there's got to be some upside or you wouldn't have made the move, so talk about that. Yeah, absolutely good question. If there was anything that was probably an Achilles heel for them in this decision for me was the fact that they did not have a retail presence in Austin. Um, I, but I looked at that a little differently. I, I, I was... Uh, I was you know, it was counterintuitive to, for me to say, yeah, let's go there, coming from a, a, a company that had probably the leading landlord rep business in the state of Texas to go to a company that had no retail presence at all. I had a blank palette. I had, you know, had the ability to kind of start from scratch. Um, we didn't have any bad habits because we didn't have any habits. And so coming in and being able to start a platform and a business 
with already leadership in place to grow the retail side of it through ownership and purchasing assets, I knew that there would be that future platform. I just needed to put a team in place, and uh, and that's what I got busy at. You know, we turned business down at the beginning because we weren't ready for it. Um, and just this year, you know, we've the, the our fund, our internal fund, has reproached us and said, "Are you ready?" I'm ready, and and you know, Bennett was ready. We we hit the ground running. We picked up two projects, and we pitched some other business along the way. And uh, I see the future's bright. You know, now we'll replace Bennett with another guy and just grow organically. But it's been a it's been a really good positive influence uh, and within our company because of, of the fact that we have a really really good. Uh, Compatibility and um, collaboration. We have a collaboration of people that we can grow a good retail platform. That that sounds good. Uh, we're going to talk about Austin and some of the growth there, but let's talk about the show. Uh, this uh, last December, we had a kind of a micro show of of ICSE. There's about 9,500 of us here. Uh, with just one hall open this this time there's about 22 23,000 people with two halls so there's good energy but uh, Kevin you've been roaming around the rooms and, and meeting with people what what's your take on on the vibe and the overall direction of where retail is going there's been a lot of talk about change and of course the rumors of its death are overblown so things are moving things are shaking what, what's your take on this yeah, another great question. You know, I was here in December. It was, um, you know, not the not the show that, that it's been over the past years, but nobody really expected to be. I think most people just wanted to get back in and make sure that you know we were we were kind of on a track of, of recovery after the pandemic and to see who was going to be here. Um, this show kind of feels like it was in 2019, um, but in a in a I guess a, with a with a more um, defined direction. I think there was a lot of questions in 2019 whether or not brick and mortar was going to be um, affected by e-commerce. Uh, there's no question in today's marketplace when you talk to the retailers that brick and mortar is here to stay. People still want to go in and touch and feel things. I think this shift is is, is, is going away from the huge big box and I think you'll see people do uh, big boxes in strategic markets and then you'll see um, satellite stores within other markets. I think what COVID has shown is that people will migrate to where they, they want to migrate to work based on where they live as opposed to having the commute going back and forth to the central business district. I think you're gonna see the office market move to the suburban markets and rooftops are obviously going in sprawl uh, because that's where the affordable land is in our markets in Texas. We've been very blessed, but it's expensive. It's getting affordability is an issue. And so I'm seeing that migration of people going to the suburban markets. You'll see the retailers follow the rooftops, as always. That's never going to change. It's just going to be on very, very experiential retailers that are going to go in these pods and these markets and these suburban markets. Overall, really positive, good, good energy. Um, the big question today in the marketplace is what's the supply chain going to be and what are cost of construction? You know, we won't know those questions probably for another year. And uh, so I think developers are going, how much is it going to cost us to build the building? And they're a little afraid to, to determine and put a line in the sand how much is the lease rate going to be because they don't know how much it's going to cost them. So there's some risk there, but they're figuring it out. Everybody's pivoting. Um, so I think the retailers are, are, are handling that part of the equation very, very well and know the rates are going up. 
and they and they're adjusting accordingly. One a little smaller, more efficient, um, or very strategic about their locations as opposed to multiple locations in, in every corner. Very good, very good. Uh, you spoke about the suburbs, and we talked a little bit about maybe the the hub and spoke model for office might might be in play, but. Any new retailers to the Austin market? Uh, and the other question related, the omni-channel, that's been discussed a lot, where a lot of the, the big box guys are downsizing their big box footprint, but they're using some storefront for the, the shopping experience and the, the rest of the box is the shipping distribution piece of it. Are you seeing that in, in Austin at all? You know, we're starting to see a little bit of it. I think Amazon um, has talked about it. We're seeing some of the grocers start to look at that. Essential retailers really probably grew the most and get had the best benefit from COVID. We really found out what was essential and what was not essential. And so I think they've strategically looked at um, where they're going to position their stores and how they're going to handle this, um, you know, last mile of delivery, if you will. Um, Amazon's done it fairly well. Now, Amazon kind of got above their skis and they, they leased a ton of space during COVID in anticipation of maybe more distribution challenges in the future. They've kind of pulled the reins in there. That's going to leave some openings for brick and mortar, in my opinion. They're going to see, they're going to readjust and say, you know what, some of the space we, we went after, we're probably going to let go back and then we'll be more strategic with what we have. But let's talk about in our market, Kroger's has never been in the Austin market. They've been in Austin, they've been in Dallas primarily and in Houston. Uh, they've stayed away because HEB is probably the power uh, grocer in our market. And they've always kind of had an unwritten uh, agreement that one wouldn't get into the other market. Well, HEB went into Dallas a few years ago and Kroger's been trying to figure out, well, how are they going to get into Austin? Do they want to really fight? you know, the 800-pound gorilla. Well, what they've done is they've decided to put a distribution facility in the Austin market, and they're going to put satellite stores uh, that try to see. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very strategic position for their, from their vantage point because what they're going to say, see from this is, hey, can, can we compete with HEB? And if we can, we don't have to make it. If we can't, we, we haven't made a huge investment, and we can exit out of the market. We'll see what happens. But HEB has had a, had a very, very stronghold on our market. Market on a grocery standpoint, retailers. You know, we we over the last four or five years. You know, for years in this mark in this business, I fought the Dallas and the Houston brokers to get to retailers uh, because I had to tell them a story about Austin. When I come to ICSC now, people see not because it's Kevin Murphy, but because I'm from Austin, Texas. They will push the Dallas and Houston guys away because they want to hear about what we've got in Austin. We're, we're, we're on the eye, you know, we're on the, on the radar of all the retailers today. They all want to hear what's going on. Um, most of our growth has been organic internally with restaurants that are homegrown and people like that. And that to me is the trend in retail is, you know, like the farm to table food fair has been very popular across the country. You're seeing the retailers looking for restaurants that are homegrown and then retailers that are homegrown. Uh, you talked about Austin affordability and I, I'm, my professional career has been based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, there's been tons of news about uh, the, the Bay Area, particularly San Francisco exodus and, and, and Austin seems to be getting a lot of those folks. Uh, has there been any uh, pushback about the you know, sort of Californification of uh, of Austin, and and you know, without getting too deep into the politics, how's that mix coming, and where do you think it's going? 
That's a great question. It's interesting because I've watched it over the last four or five years, the migration of the West Coast and, and the East Coast by, by, by um, uh, quite a few uh, percentage points in terms of growth in the Austin market and how we've changed. Um, you know, politically, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a movement, you know, um, but I think all in all, the, 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 the growth in the beginning was, uh, is the California migration going to be something that, that the Texans are going to embrace? Are they going to embrace our culture? And, and, and I think the, the, the knee-jerk reaction was that, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be different, that people are, are, are probably not going to be that compatible. What I have found, what I have found over the last few years, though, is that those who have migrated to California, I think, are kind of tired of the California way of life. And they see the opportunities in Texas, the way we do business is a little bit different. And I think primarily the taxes. Um, we're obviously probably a more conservative, but that's changing all the time. You know, and, and, and I think the conservatives are being more tolerable and the liberals are being more compassionate. And I think what, was, what we're seeing is we're seeing kind of a, a, a bringing together of people like an olive branch. And I saw this in the early stages of development in Austin when we had the no growth people early on, the guys that were original Austin. I, I've been there since 1968. And there was a movement or a division between developers and what we call environmentalists. Tree huggers was, was the common theme. And when I first got in the business, I wasn't sure what their role was. It was frustrating. I thought whether impediments to development, what I found is they played a very important role to preserving some of the characteristics of Austin that make it attractive today. And so together they came together and now those two groups, the development community and the environmental community, work together to preserve those assets like Barton Springs and our green belts and our Pelotons and, the, and all the lakes that we have around us. And so we've got it, we know that things are going to change and we have to adapt to that. And I think we're doing a very, very good job of that. 200 people a day is a lot of people or more that we get each and every day. And a lot of them are coming from the West Coast. My arms are open to them. I think it's a great opportunity because what I have found, I've learned more from the people that come from different markets. They can see things that we didn't always see, you know, and, and I've learned that they find places that are developable but because they've seen the change in those things that sometimes we can't see and uh, so it's the all in all that migration is a you know a big plus for Austin that's awesome uh, st sticking on Austin uh, the, the two questions are based on what you've said Kevin can you still keep Austin weird that's number one <laughs> and number two where's the best brisket in town <laughs> Wow, um, great question. I don't think you're ever going to change Austin from being weird. You know, we we you know we've had a we've had a homeless person run for mayor that probably got you know 20 percent of the votes, and 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 we still have Eeyore's birthday and Spamarama, and and those things are just what you know makes Austin Austin. Um, and and I, and I love the cultural mix of Austin. I hope it never changes. You know, the tie-dyed shirt, you know, you know, uh, keep Austin weird is, is probably one of the fastest and most, uh, you know, commonly sold T-shirts in Austin at any of the stores that you go into that are iconic Austin stores. Um, you know. Um, best brisket. Best brisket. Wow. Man. You know, um, <laughs> You know, it, it, that's just such a hard question. I love brisket. Brisket's, you know, Texas. Um, every year, 
Texas Monthly has the f- top 50 briskets across Texas. They even have a, a brisket trail that people follow and drive all over to Texas to go find these brisket places that they get up in the morning at 2 and stand in line. And I'm not sure any brisket's worth getting in line at 2 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, we do it and we love it and we're proud of it. Uh, Franklin's is obviously, you know, the thing that comes to, to mind when you just think about best brisket places. You know, my personal, I can get in at any day, any day, not at any time of the day, and sometimes I have to stand in line. But Terry Black's on Barton Springs Road is my go-to. Uh, we love it. The atmosphere is good, and it's a melting pot of Austin. We love it. Our, our food, our regional food cultures. Um, wrapping up, we're getting close to it here, Kevin. Uh, let's talk about the NEI platform. You're still relatively new to it. And we've got a retail council. There's an active group of retail specialists throughout the, 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 the platform in the United States, for sure. Um, how's that been for you in terms of interacting with Shelby out of Phoenix and some of the other guys and, and women? Uh, is, is there some, some trading going on? Are you talking about doing some deals together? Where are you at with this? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that I really didn't realize what I didn't have when I came to NAI and what was there for me is um, the exposure to different markets and us to them as well as them to us. Um, you know, it was ju- it would be just natural to think that because of Austin's growth that most retailers that aren't in Texas are going to think about Austin first. And so what better place to be when you have a network already in a place that that does referral business across the globe that we can connect good clients with good brokers and broker to broker know that there's that transition is going to happen smoothly and that client's going to be taken care of well it's been an absolute uh, blessing if i can put it that way because it's not something I, I really could quantify. I'd never experienced that. I was an old Trammell Crow guy. We did that, you know, 20 years ago, but I'd, I'd been away from that model, and that was one of my favorite models when we, before Trammell Crow was was public. We were a privately owned company. We were nimble and we could make decisions quickly and having, you know, a market in Chicago that we knew that they had a client that did business with and referred it to us in Austin was a benefit. And we have that today with NAI. I'm absolutely, I've got probably three deals in my pipeline that came from other markets, you know, Oregon, Miami, Atlanta. And so it's, it's and in Dallas constantly, um, obviously within our state, it's really, really neat, but it's an absolute positive. I, I love it. And, uh, and I, and, you know, I, I'd love to be able to do that on the other side of it, refer business out right now. It seems like the pipeline's coming to me and, uh, there'll be a time that the pipeline goes out. Well, Austin's certainly one of those inbound, uh, growth markets as Raleigh, North Carolina has been and some others, uh, in, in closing, Kevin, the last question I really want to ask is, uh, We've got this threat of recession. There's obviously inflation. Um, there's been the c- consumer spending is, has has uh, has has dropped in, in favor of uh, product in favor of services. Uh, what's your outlook for the rest of the year and, and going into 2023? Another good question. Um, you know, I feel like the dynamics of our market, and I've been through a few. Um, recessions in this business since 1984. Um, Most of them were predictable. 
um, minus you know the the COVID was the black swan event, and we can never know if uh, an event like that you can't predict those. But if you look at the the absolute fundamentals of real estate and the dynamics that we're going that's happening in our market where I am in, in, in Texas in particular, that's what I can speak to. I can speak to the fact that when you have 200 people a day migrating in and you have, you know, retail follows rooftops. Rooftops are, are, are scarce in our market. So we're building multifamily and, and there's urban sprawl and there's things of that nature that are, that are going on. Interest rates are bumping up a little bit. There's the threat of recession. But, but I will tell you, you know, minus the supply chain and, and this labor, um, we're healthy. I mean, we're, we're at uh, you know, we, we our, our 3.7% vacancy is is not a, a number that I equate to. There's holes in the spot. That's just that's that, those are just holes between vacancy and collection between people moving in and moving out. Our net absorption is is above anything we're delivering in terms of new construction, and I think that's going to be the way f- f- through 2023, in my opinion. Um, and 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 I, I it's the momentum is. I can't see any fundamental in our business that we've not overbuilt in any category um, like we did in the 80s. Uh, There's more cash out there in the market than there's ever been available. Uh, The credit is still flowing, albeit it's a little bit more expensive. There's still a great appetite by the lenders. Um, And um, it's just it, there's just not as many deals that there are uh, people wanting the deals. So scarcity is what we're seeing in, in most of all of our categories. But overall, I see a very healthy market. Um, affordability is probably going to be our biggest question in Austin, Texas. How are we going to handle that? And I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, and, 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 and I think the short answer is that is people are going to move further away. So developers are going to have to rethink how they do their developments and create experiential developments that have live, work, and play environments. And that's what will attract people. And that's what's worked across the board. Uh, and I think that's the future of retail. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we could go on, I'm sure. But uh, Kevin Murphy with uh, NEI Partners in Austin, it's been great. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you, Gary. It's been my pleasure. Have a good show.